to be a great media buyer, you have to you have to have the intersection of let's call it creativity and almost mathematics, right? But on TikTok, it, you have to be savvy with the camera, with the video, with editing. I can show you millions and millions of dollars of traffic we're generating on all of those platforms: Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube Shorts now, and Facebook, obviously. So, social media absolutely does work. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insights series, where James Robert Lay interviews the industry's top marketing, sales and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay and welcome to episode 248 of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series and I'm excited to welcome Mark Lachance. Mark is the CEO and lead investor of MaxiMedia, one of the largest TikTok, Facebook, Snapchat, and Google Display Network performance marketing agencies in the world. They do a lot of work with financial brands as well. And currently, MaxiMedia is the number one advertiser in terms of monthly spend on the TikTok platform in Canada and is top 10 in North America. Mark is also the best-selling author of The Lucky Formula. And today, we're going to be diving into the biggest opportunities for financial brands and fintechs to capture when it comes to maximizing their growth through digital ads, as well as the role that mindset plays when it comes to future growth as well. Welcome to the show, Mark. It is good to share time with you today, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me. Before we get into talking digital channels and lead generation and digital ads for financial brands and fintechs, what's good in your world right now? Personal, professional, it is always your pick to get started on a positive note here. What's good in my world? Personally, we just uh, got a horse, a family horse. <laughs> so <laughs> I love it. That just came in uh, two days ago, and uh, we went to uh, to welcome. His name is Peter Fox. Peter Fox to the family. <laughs> so, Peter Fox, the family horse. What type? What type? What color? Uh, you're gonna have to ask my wife what type. I don't know. It's her game, not mine. But it's a it's a beautiful, uh, darker color. So it's a beautiful brown with black tail. It's it's actually a gorgeous horse. I, I don't know what type. I can't tell you. I, I think I want to call it a hunter, but I don't know. My wife is going to love this episode. She loves horses and would love to get some horses for the family as well. We're down here in Houston, so um, wow, that's cowboy country, isn't it? Y- yeah, but say yippee ki yay, yeah. You know, we just <laughs> we just actually had a couple of months ago the Pasadena Rodeo, and wow. uh, so okay. th- we have the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, which is a big, big, big event. But then Pasadena also has their little rodeo as well, and the kids love going to that thing and seeing the the horses and the bulls and yeah it's a it's a great time for the family well i'm excited for y'all um it's gonna be fun peter fox i love it (laughs) peter fox the horse yes sir it's gonna be good it's gonna be good well let's let's parlay that into things that you have been seeing from your vantage point when it comes to lead generation and digital ads you know it's been a it's been an interesting couple of years, I would say, in, in hindsight and in retrospect. What what have you seen 
big big trends, big lessons well, learned? I mean, that's a, kind of a loaded question, but I'll try to unpack it. So one I've seen, obviously, most of your listeners are financially savvy. They've probably seen the massacre of the Facebook stock. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could probably tell you why that happened. It has happened. It's one arrogance. It's two incompetence. It's three. And I think you've done, uh, you've done Facebook ads. So the way they treat you is un- unbelievable. Yep. Uh, and, and not unbelievable in a great way either. So unbelievable in the, in the other way, but anyway, so some of the trends I have seen that their compliance team is loosening up big time. They, they were very, very, Let's say you couldn't get a hold of anybody ever. They would shut your account with no explanations. They would hold your money with no explanations. And so over the last, I'd say the last couple of months, I've seen, you know, since their big dive in stock price, I've seen them loosen up on on compliance and, you know, what they reject and what they don't reject. So that's one trend. And I think that's going to continue because, you know, if you've looked at their numbers, they're not great. Uh, and I think they're going to continue to to allow different types of advertisements. Um you know, speaking in the, in the, in the, the financial space, they would be very critical on, let's say personal loans or credit card, uh, credit card issuing. And now they're starting to loosen up on those. So, so this is pertinent, I think to your people. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So that, that's one trend. I mean, another trend is, you know, I'm seeing TikTok emerge as the, and that's, you know, what 65% of our revenues generated out of TikTok ads. It's emerging as the powerhouse social media company and ad platform right now. So those are kind of two big trends that I've noticed. I want to let, let's talk about this shift because there has been a shift away from Facebook. And I think a lot of that began probably back in like 2017 with the Cambridge Analytica debacle. Um, then you see the rise of TikTok, but 2018, 2019, I would say even 2020, Within this vertical, within banks, within credits, within fintechs, ah, that's just for tweens and teens. That's not the case anymore. What are you seeing as a trend shifting into the TikTok space, considering the fact that that's 65% of all ad revenue that you're managing is through this one particular channel here? What has happened with this shift in, in, in adoption and maybe the transformation of users beyond teens and tweens? Yeah, the users, I mean, it's it's aging up every single day. So it used to be Gen Z only, right? It used to be, what, eight, 16 to 22, 23. Yep. And now I don't have the exact uh, data in front of me, but large percentage are between 25 and 50, a large percentage, and maybe, maybe more than half right now. Um, so obviously advertisers need to go where the eyeballs are. So do not discount, you know, TikTok as, as, as a, a channel for your ads. Absolutely not. So that that's one of my definite, uh, you know, I guess uh, things that I want to impress upon your people. TikTok. What's the difference though between running ads, say there, compared to what Facebook was previously, particularly through the lens of I like what y'all are doing, lead gen, because you can run ads all day long for awareness, but then. How do we move those people from awareness into some type of consideration, maybe doing some type of middle of the funnel lead gen there? Where are the opportunities, particularly through the lens of, of the banking world? Well, we are doing a lot in the, uh, in the personal loan space, right? So that, which pertains to banking. So we're, we're generating, it's, you know, we're top of the funnel. So we drive it to landing page and then, you know, from landing page, you get, 
it goes down a funnel, you collect all the data you need to collect, and then you do whatever you have to do in the back end. So it can be used for top of the funnel and to drive people to your, to your lander. So I guess what, what I'm trying to say is that if a, any institution wants to jump on any digital platform, they, they need to understand the full funnel. So not only top of funnel, which is what we do, we actually, actually, you know, the benefit that we have is that we service top of funnel. That's the toughest part in my view. Mid funnel and end of the funnel is not that difficult as long as you have, you know, that expertise in the house. But, you know, obviously an institution has to focus on the full funnel, but there are companies like us that can handle top, which is getting, you know, getting the ad produced, getting the creators to do the ads and then driving it to uh, lander. So... I would agree with you, the knowledge of the entire funnel for different product lines. We see a tremendous knowledge gap, particularly with more of the middle of the funnel, maybe even the bottom of the funnel, the area of conversion, considering the fact that around 60 to 85% of applications that get started end up being being abandoned it's like a leaky shopping cart and so you can drive all the traffic you want at the top of the funnel but unless we shore up those losses which are in some cases tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars then it's almost like we got to work backwards you know get that conversion point get that middle of the funnel lead gen and then let's start pulling the you know all that traffic down down to the top if you think about like digital ads and digital ad strategy uh, through the lens of banking, what's a common misconception that that you hear from from people, from leaders that could be holding them back that they might not be aware of or that you just disagree with? Social media doesn't work is a, is a misconception. TikTok doesn't work is a misconception. But I can show you millions and millions of dollars of traffic we're generating on all of those platforms, Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube Shorts now. Uh, and, uh, and, and Facebook, obviously. So social media absolutely does work. And if you understand the strategy and understand the, uh, you know, how the platforms work and in the messaging on the platform, then, then, you know, then that misconception is blown out of the water. You know, it doesn't, that, that is a misconception. It doesn't work. You're seeing it work. We're seeing it work. It does come back to the strategy and there's, there's got to be clarity into that. Otherwise, we're probably not going to want to even begin to dabble in it because we're scared. We're, there's the fear of the unknown. There's the fear of failure even. You mentioned YouTube Shorts. That's another potential opportunity. How, how do you cut through the noise to figure out where, where to focus? Because it's an abundance of opportunity, but sometimes it's like, okay, I got I to gotta put my dollars here. I got to put my dollars here. Where could you provide the dear listener with some clarity into prioritization it's like anything right so some traffic sources will work as you know and some won't so it's all about testing so we've we built out an r&d team and we test every single strategy every single vertical we test on multiple platforms the ones that work we we scale up and the ones that don't work we just disregard so i think it's important to have an r&d team that can test everything because there is you're right there's a lot of noise out there but you don't know until you test right Look, you're a marketer. You understand that. Digital growth is a journey from good to great. But sometimes this journey can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming. The good news is you don't have to take this journey alone. Because now you can join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs who are all learning, collaborating, and growing together. 
Visit digitalgrowth.com insider to learn more about how you can join the Digital Growth Insider community to maximize your future digital growth potential. Now, back to the show. And I think the idea of an R&D team, which is why working sometimes with an external who gives you a capability multiplier, because to try to to run R&D in-house as a marketing team, in addition to all of the other responsibilities that you have, unless you're properly staffed, is an exercise that would probably never become reality. So let's talk about R&D, because once again, I think that's another misconception that we see within this vertical is is the idea of failure oh this didn't work so we're just going to stop doing this altogether. i'm like no that's the perfect time to continue to do it so that you can continue to be even better by applying those learnings to the next iteration that's so anti-bank think if you will (laughs) how how do you help others see and and once again i know you're running all of this in-house as an agency, but for those that aren't willing to optimize, they're probably not a good fit, number one, but for those that maybe they just lack the awareness because it's, it's, it's completely, like I said, it's anti-bank think. Well, I'll give you an example is, is when we back in, and this brings Facebook back into the conversation. So back, it's about almost three years ago now, Facebook literally shut us down. We, we were a Facebook only shop you know, three years ago and they, they shut off. We were running like three or $4 million a month on Facebook alone and they shut us down. So that means our revenue, our revenue went from X amount to zero. So we had to test out, we had to then, you know, put our think caps on and say, okay, now we need an R and D team. Now we need to be diversified. So diversification is going to come into this conversation at some point. So why not now? Right. So we had to diversify, and then TikTok at that point was was launching their beta, their their ad platform and beta test. So we were one of the first ones on on the platform testing, and then we quickly found out, and you know this, James, that when you're when you're buying media on Facebook, the media buyer and the creator are almost the same person. Yep. Right. So we found out quickly on TikTok, the creator is definitely not going to be the media buyer. Right, because the creator has a different thought process around media buying on TikTok, and so that kind of gave us a, a an outlook and, and taught us something brand new. And we also figured out that, well, we have now at that point, you know, out of the gate in the first two months, we had about ten creators. Now we have over two hundred that are creating ads for us on a regular basis. Well, you know, we felt that I don't think a small business or even a medium sized business is going to build out this creator network. So we felt that this was a, uh, you know, a huge capability that we're building and an opportunity for us to, to gain, you know, gain certain, you know, foothold in certain verticals, which, which banking is one of them. Creation, and we'll just call it content creation versus promotion or distribution. Take this back, like you said, Facebook probably was one in the same, but now whether it be it TikTok or YouTube Shorts. These are different types of creation <clears throat> opportunities for content that for a financial brand or even a fintech trying to do this internally could be a bit of complexity. Now, talk about the creator network here because I think that opens up a whole new way of thinking about content creation. It doesn't have to be done internally. There's, there are networks like the ones that you're building that you have the creation on one side, 
the distribution, the promotion on the other two independent schools of thoughts. Let's go a little bit deeper here. Sure. Well, on, on Facebook, if we go back to Facebook, like I said, the media buyer was often, so to be a great media buyer, you have to, you have to have the intersection of, let's call it creativity and almost mathematics. Right. Mm -hmm. But on TikTok, it takes it a step forward, a step further that you have to be savvy with the camera, with the video, with editing, with, so oftentimes an analytical person cannot do that. I can't do that. I'm more analytical. You know, I, I was a media buyer. I wasn't a very good one, but I was a media buyer. But you're never going to ask me to, to shoot a creative video, to edit the video, and to keep up with the trends on TikTok. So it's absolutely two different people. So you have one that's analytical and, and looking at data all day long, and the other one that's following trends and understands, you know, understands a certain platform and understands how to edit a video and make it pretty and have great, beautiful lighting. So it's two totally different mindsets that have to... Uh, you know, to, to be successful. Left brain, right brain. And if we think Absolutely. about the traditional banker, they're a left brain analytical driven leader where the right brain, particularly through the media consumption of TikTok, we're talking about seconds, if not milliseconds of engagement. Well, that's, that's you know, looking for trends in human behavior and emotion and empathy, what's connecting, what's engaging, what's not. If if we if we stay on the subject of left brain and right brain from a creative and analytical standpoint, and we're looking out towards the future here, what are the opportunities to marry the best of both worlds together to get an exponential value on the other side, particularly through the lens of banking? Because my concern. It's, there's so much left brain driven thinking that we're missing where we have huge gaps in empathy on the other side of the spectrum of the right brain. Well, well, James, I think we were educated almost in the same place. So we understand if you don't have a particular who you used the term earlier and we know who taught us that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you don't, if you don't have a particular who, so if you are left brain and you don't have a right brain, you have to go out and find it. So you have to go out and the key is going out to find the who's that you don't have in the, you know, in, in your organization. So if there's any friction points, right, what can solve a friction point is a who that understands the other side of it. You know, we were talking before this, we were talking about multiplier versus simplifier. I would assume that bankers are probably mostly simplifiers. I would assume, am I right about that? I would agree with you on that point. And Dan and I have had some really good conversations. Dan Sullivan with Strategic Coach. We've had a couple of conversations on the podcast about the idea of putting the who before the how, because the how is often where the complexity comes from. And I agree with you, You know, bankers simplify the complexities of money, but then to take that back out to the marketplace to drive more acquisition, to create more awareness, to generate more leads, Needs, that's a capability gap. Absolutely. So look, they have to go out and find the who either through acquisition or through partnership or through JV. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are, those are the only ways and, you know, organization that we, James, I think you're, you're going to be part of it is the free zone. It's all about collaboration. And actually there is a, uh, a gentleman from Minnesota, I forget his name, but he, he's the CEO of a large bank uh, in Minnesota, David, uh, D David, uh, yes, David. Sunrise, I believe is, is his bank. Th there, there you go. So he's, he's done an amazing job at partnering with the who's that he doesn't understand, you know, the, of the topics he doesn't understand. So I think what, I guess the learning out of this is that if you don't have a capability, you find the person that has that capability 
and you give it off to them. And that's, you know, that's the way we scaled. I scaled my company. Again, like I said earlier, I, I'm not a very good media buyer. So I had to find media buyers that could do a much better job than I could. I'm not a content creator either. So, you know, you have to find the the content creators out there. Um, so as long as you're able to get out, of, you know, step out of your own way, drop your ego and find other people that are better at a certain topic than mm. you are, then then you'll be successful. Ooh, I think what you just said right there, that was gold. Let's roll that back. Drop your own ego. Um, Ryan Holiday has written about this prolifically in his book, Ego is the Enemy. And I see the ego in banking is a roadblock. Um, they, you know, a lot of bankers, they don't want to raise their hand and say, I don't know, or I need help. Uh, and, and, and that prevents a lot of future growth. And I think as we look out towards the next few years, it's going to be a bumpy ride again. I've been saying that since 2020, buckle up buttercup. It's going to be a bumpy ride. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, I'm not that smart. I just kind of went back and looked at history and said, okay, well, here are the trends. Here are the patterns. Uh, this is what I predict. And I'm so glad we got it on podcast because it's documented now that we can keep coming back to a couple, couple points of reference in time. When it comes to digital ads, I will share a concern that I have for a vast majority of this industry um, is they're going to cut marketing budgets. It's always the very first thing that gets cut. And I'm concerned about that also, but on the flip side, you always have aggressive, aggressive opportunistic thinkers that will, will take the other side of that bet. Right. So they'll double down on their media. That's and in good. That's what I'm saying. Like there's, there's two sides of the coin 80% are going to cut, 20% will double down, but for the 80% that are cutting, what's the danger there that you see? Because you've lived through this through a couple of diff different iterations over time. I think it's it's pretty obvious you're going to lose market share. Um, you're, you're, if you're cutting your marketing, you're cutting your voice. You're cutting your lead generation. You're cutting your new business. You're cutting your revenue. You're probably going to have to end up cutting staff as well. So you're cutting your the positive aura around your business, and you're just if you're not growing, you're dying. I mean, you know, we, again, we were schooled in the same place. We know that growth equals happiness equals success, and you know, shrinkage equals death. So that that's what I see. I mean, it's gonna happen. Yeah, and I say I, you're, you're you're cutting off your future to kind of like despite you know the, the, the for the for short term pain of the present moment. Um, that's right. That's right. And I think that's like, you know, a, a really philosophical point that I'm trying to facilitate a lot of conversation and thinking around for organizations in the Digital Growth University. Um, and they're understanding that, but it's it's this kind of a divide. Um, and I think that's good. I think, you know, I think we will see those that survive and kind of hang on. We'll see those that, eventually fade away and we'll see those that continue to thrive i think a lot of it's going to come down to mindset here and the way that we just perceive the world around us and that's where i want to take you back to 2007 because you've written a really good book on the subject around luck um <laughs> and and you've been here um, you've you've lived you've experienced this back in 2007, when things got tough, when things got challenging. Can you can you roll us back to 2007 and what was going on, in 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 how this has kind of shaped your own personal journey of growth? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, when you fail miserably or mega failure, as I call it, <laughs> you often learn, right? And that's your best learning. So when people say, hey, um, would you take it back? What happened to you in 2007, 2008? And I stop and I pause and I say, no, I wouldn't because I wouldn't be where I was today, where I am today, if I hadn't had that colossal failure. So basically just to give you in a nutshell, I know you know the story, but um, back in 2007, I made a, uh, a huge investment in a real estate project north of uh, when I was living in Montreal, Canada. Two hours north was a was a famous recording studio called Le Studio, and if you look it up, there's some really famous acts that uh, that recorded their albums there. You know, if anybody knows Rush, they did most of their albums there. I'm sure everybody knows David Bowie, Sting, Celine Dion, uh, Rolling Stones, Keith Richards, on and on, and the Bee Gees. So they all recorded albums there. And so I was kind of uh, sold as a, as a sales guy myself. It's easy to, the, the easiest people to sell are sales people. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was true. sold into a, a mega huge opportunity to multiply my, my, uh, my winnings by X percent by, you know, how many X's at the end of that. But anyway, so uh, long story short, rolled all my money, literally put everything on red into a real estate project upside down in 2008 when the market crumbled. I was in, I was in, uh, where was I? I was in London at a conference at a trade show where a month before that trade show was packed with people buying properties in Canada. And when I was there, I had a paper airplane and me and the Sotheby's guy were just throwing the paper airplane back and forth with no risk of hitting anybody because nobody was there. So, wow. <laughs> so all of my, uh, all my eggs in one basket, one basket explodes and you know, anyway, so the rest is history. But what the failure taught me was, was many things, but uh, that led me down the path of personal development, led me down the path of, uh, of, I'll say, spirituality and meditation and, you know, working on myself, led me down the path, you know, to ultimately meeting you, by the way, because had I not gone down that path, I probably wouldn't be in, in strategic coach and probably wouldn't be working on myself like I do right now and, and definitely wouldn't be as successful as I am right now. So, I, I, failure makes you stronger is the point. I bring this up because of what I'm looking at at the next maybe two to three to five years could feel like. And I use that word feelings because I think that's a key essence. I'm right there with you. I, I hit my rock bottom back in 2012. Um, and it's been a decade. And I'm grateful for it. Like I and, and, and have had a couple of other rough patches along the way. Um, and don't regret them for one bit. And I think a lot of it is the way that we just perceive things. And one of the, the points, and this comes from your book, The Lucky Formula, which I highly recommend the dear listener grab a copy of. What's your take on, on luck? Um, one of the things that you wrote about in the book, and, and I'm going to quote this here, luck is a force, and you can harness its power if you learn the formula and leverage the formula. What do you mean by this? Well, first of all, I want to I want to clarify one thing. Why am I qualified to write about luck? Well, my last name, La Chance or La Chance, actually means luck. So I was born lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so that number one, you know, qualifies me. But number two is I'll call it almost a self fulfilling prophecy. So my nickname growing up was Lucky. Wow. So, hey, lucky, hey, lucky, hey, lucky. So maybe, maybe you know, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. But, you know, above and beyond that, it started when I was a kid. My father, first book he ever gave me was Think and Grow Rich. 
next book he gave me was um, Dale, a Dale Carnegie book and then uh, Awaken the Giant Within. And then, so it's all about what you feed your mind, as you know, right? If you feed your mind success or uh, you'll, you know, there's a great chance you'll have success. If you feed your mind failure, you'll have failure. I mean, do you wake up in the morning as a victim or as a victor? How do you wake up? Do you wake up, you know, on fire or are you just, you know, woe is me? Getting back to luck, luck, I believe, is not a fluke. It's a formula. I believe that, you know, you can stack the odds in your favor and cash in on success. And how do you do that? So, for example, James, when, you know, I was at the Genius Network last week. And I believe that every event I go to, something serendipitous will happen. Yep. I don't know what it's going to be, but I believe that I'm going to have an amazing, you know, meet this person, that person, something amazing will happen. Well, that happened. I was looking, you know, we're, we're launching a different division. I was looking for a certain product and boom, lo and behold, it fell out of the sky. It happened. Uh, I became tighter with a lot of our, our, our buddies from 10X and Free Zone, and business opportunities keep on coming out of all that. So uh, the more you work on yourself, the more you put yourself in position with the right mindset, the luckier you're going to get. So it's not a fluke. It's not some woo-woo thing. No. It's if you stack things in your favor, things will happen is what it is. And I want the dear listener to take note of this because we did not rehearse this. Um, I always do these conversations, kind of got a, an idea of where things will transpire, but I want to roll this back, Mark. You you identified as more of an analytical mind. Um and now you're talking about this idea that this is not woo-woo, this idea of luck and mindset. I have watched this transpire for organizations, marketing teams, sales teams, leadership teams, leaders who are more analytical. Um, and they're like, oh, this is just a bunch of hocus pocus. And I'm like, no, it's, it's not. And I bring this up because an article was published over the past couple of weeks um, it was an opinion piece by a fintech CEO. The title of the article, Why Traditional Bankers Make Terrible Fintech CEOs. And the very first point that was made is bankers are pessimists. And I was like, okay, this is really interesting. And it has me thinking about this, particularly as I look ahead to the next like you know two, three, five years in this vertical, the role mindset is going to play for CEOs and senior leadership teams. And I'm willing to bet those that make the investment to work on themselves, to work on their teams, all transformation begins within then the team and then the organization. I think that's why digital transformation, quote unquote, has been such a challenging undertaking because it's all been externally focused, trying to move from the org level to the team, to the team, to the individual. The individual's like, why? What's going on? I don't even, I'm confused. I'm lost. You've experienced this for someone who's like, okay, this is just like woo-woo because those were your words. And I'm like, hocus pocus. How can we help the logical, analytical mind maybe navigate some of this because it's just a little bit of a different way of thinking about the world? Okay, look, luck is not, let me define it in another way. Maybe energy or maybe success is another way, right? So I'll give you an example. So when I first moved to Montreal in 2001, myself and the CEO of the company uh, would go to lunch every single day. All right, we go to lunch, we'd have this big meal. 
Uh, and then we never fail to have a mega dessert at the end of the, at the end of the lunch, never fail. So guess what happened for the next two hours where I was sitting at my desk, my energy levels crashed. To, you know, couldn't so, keep your <laughs> eyes open. Couldn't keep my eyes open. So think about this. Think about this. If my energy levels, and then I'll give you another example. After, if my energy levels are on, are a two on 10 and not a 10 on 10, how lucky or how successful or how energetic uh, am I going to be? And the answer is not. Correct. Right? Because I'm probably going to miss that conversation or probably going to, you know, sleepwalk through the next meeting or whatever it may be. Now, fast forward to today. My energy level is 10 on 10 all day long, all day long from when I wake up in the morning to when I go to bed at night, regardless of what happens to me, regardless of what, what hits come at me. So I'm going to tell you that I believe that my, my ability to catch luck or success or energy or positivity is exponentially greater than what it used to be. So that's one thing. Now, here's another, here's another piece. Let's say that, you know, James, I tell you how, how your deep voice is unbelievable and you're a great radio talk show host <laughs> and how cool you are. And it was a pleasure meeting you. And, you know, when we met in Chicago and before that, a couple of months earlier in Chicago again, and I keep on throwing positivity and great words at you. There's a chance you're going to like me right? There's a chance. And if you like me, there's a chance you're going to refer business to me and you're going to refer this or that. So that's another piece of the formula that I want to talk about. So if you're positive and you're throwing out great, if you're throwing flowers to people in and you do it authentically, then guess what? Things, great things are going to come back at you. Just, it's just going to happen. So I, I think that answered your question, but anyway. No, it did. Now let's tie this and take this all the way back to the digital ad space, right? Because I think if the mindset of an individual, a team, and an organization at a financial brand is on a higher level, more more of a positive level, then the content and the media that comes out of that organization has the propensity to be at a higher, more positive level. And and this is where I it's it's no longer woo woo because Frost Bank, a bank out of San Antonio, Texas, did a study around optimism in banking, and found that optimists are more likely to be financially quote unquote successful than pessimists. And therefore, if we can transform the organization internally to have a more positive perspective of the world, even in, in the times of chaos, then therefore the messages in our communication will be more positive. I'm predicting that perhaps, possibly, our account holders will then also be a little bit more successful compared to to the general market. Well, I have to agree with this. I mean, any anytime you, you're dealing with an organization and the messaging out of that organization is upbeat and you know happy it's going to attract me to it if it's not upbeat if it's you know if it's like woe is me and and the end of the world is coming and do you think i want anything to do with that it just i mean i can give you an example so i had a business partner back in what was it back in 2015 i started a nutrition and fitness company and one of my and it was with my personal trainer actually and i couldn't wrap my head around it. i didn't understand energy at that time but i couldn't wrap my head around it why this guy's a genius he's an absolute genius but he is where he is financially which was nowhere and 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 i come to find out it's just because the energy and the aura around that person so aura around a person and aura around a business is the same thing so if you've got 
you know, positive or a positive energy, uh, upbeat attitude in your organization, it's going to permeate through the whole organization. I mean, uh, I can use that example in my company. I can use that example in, in many other companies. And I actually would love to read that study. And I wholeheartedly agree with that study, by the way. I'll get that. I'll send you a copy because it's a very fascinating perspective that had, I think it came out back in 2020. So they were doing the research ahead of the pandemic. And uh, it provides a tremendous opportunity for growth in a little bit of a different perspective historically when it comes to just the way that we communicate. Communication is a two-way street. It's the internal communication. It's the external communication. I know there, there's a $6 billion family community bank that's been the Digital Growth University that has finally solidified their purpose. They've been in banking, fourth, four generations, uh, family CEO, uh, 126 years, uh, and they're going down. Their whole reason for being is to enrich lives through financial guidance Amazing. for an Amazing. even better tomorrow. And that's mm -hmm. that's their North Star now. Um, and it's going to move them. And I think they're going to unlock completely new opportunities that weren't there before. We've, co we've covered a lot of interesting ground, areas that we have never even broached subjects that we've never broached before on the podcast. So thank you sincerely for, for allowing me just to take you and then more importantly to take the dear listener into some of these uncharted waters together. Cause I think the more that we can explore these waters, the more that we can find new opportunities for growth, personal growth, professional growth, organizational growth, growth within our own account holders. If we were to wrap this up and, and send the dear listener away with a very simple simple, practical, next best step to maximize their growth through digital ads, coming back to how we started this conversation, where can they get started? One small, simple step to guide them forward next with courage and confidence. I mean, an easy place to start to learn. I mean, if you're talking about, you know, starting from ground zero, I'm not sure if that's the question, but if that's the question, easy place to start is YouTube, as crazy as that sounds. I mean, there's so many, there's so much education possible on that, on that platform and starting from, you know, media buying to content creation to, you know, to kind of get your feet wet there. And, and if you want to scale it up, I, I would then head to any digital marketing conference after, after, let's say you're, if you're a senior veteran, right. I would go to, con you know, there's uh, the one in San Diego. I, I think you've been there, James. I can't remember the name of it, but there's many digital marketing conferences that are phenomenal where you can get great contacts, great, uh, you know, great ideas. So first you start on YouTube, learn, learn the ropes. And then if you want to scale up your learning, you get to get to the conferences. And, you know, I write about that in my book, the way, the way you advance yourself is, is, you know, getting involved and speaking to people on a regular basis. And that's how you get lucky, right? That's how so, you get lucky. Uh, luck. I, I'm going to, I'm going to cap this off here. Luck comes from continuous learning because you're continuously you learning about yourself and, and the world around you and how all of these different data points connect. And from that, therein lies the greatest opportunities to overcome some of the roadblocks that are standing in our way right now in the present reality. Mark, great conversation. Thanks for joining me. What is the, some, what is the best way for someone to reach out, connect with you, get your book even? Um, to, get to my book a on Amazon, Mark Lachance, The Lucky Formula on Amazon. There you go. And I, I'm going to give your listeners, your dear listeners, a, a gift if they want to get their lucky score. You can go to theluckyformula.com slash quiz. Again, theluckyformula.com slash quiz. James, I expect to see your lucky score in my email box later. I'm going to get my lucky score. I, I, I highly recommend the dear listener. You go get your lucky score. What is that that URL one more time? It's theluckyformula.com slash quiz. 
There it is. There it is. Connect with Mark. Get your lucky score. Grab the book, and we'll all continue to grow together. Mark, thanks again for joining me for another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. Awesome. Thank you very much. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. To get even more practical and proven insights along with coaching and guidance, visit digitalgrowth.com insider to join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs. Until next time, be well and do good.